what are you doing? Did I not say? No. That I did. No, you didn't. I, yes, I said maybe okay, I want to. Well, okay, well, it like went in one ear now. The other. I'm sorry. Clearly. <laughs> now I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? Because <laughs> I don't want to say something wrong. You, you know? have questions. You have cue cards. Okay. Ask your <clears throat> questions from your cue cards and less dialogue because that's what this assignment is about. Okay. Praise the Lord. Yeah. What's good, people? What is happening? Please ignore the dog in the background trying to bark. He's probably just sleeping or having a bad dream, whatever. Anyway, welcome to Eye to Eye, short for Inspired to Inspire. Uh, my name is Jordan, and with my homeboy Devin, as always, we're glad to have you rocking with us on this journey, a podcast about being open and honest and real about life and faith, just trying to figure it out, man, because, you know, ain't nobody figured it out yet. And if you think you have, stay fast and far away from me. Anyway, uh, on this episode, kind of excited. This is a bit of a bonus episode. Uh, we took the holiday. We did some chilling. Um, but prior to, I had an opportunity to have a good conversation uh, with a good friend of mine that's one of our students at the college about, about race. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We finally get to have one of these conversations. So uh, I invite you to go ahead and, and buckle up, strap in. Because uh, we're about to go on a bit of a ride, and I'm gonna talk about some stuff that I don't know. Some folks might not even know uh, how I feel about some of these things, but you're gonna learn today. Absolute. Um, also, talk about a couple other things that don't have anything to do with race, but I'm asking you to keep your heart open and just listen uh, because it's necessary to do that sometimes. I don't know if y'all knew that, but yeah, it's true. Uh, either way, um, Dev, he, he got a chance to take this one off and just kind of chill out. Uh, but Nonetheless, I'm excited. I'm praying that you're excited. I pray it's going to bless you. Uh, so without further ado, ladies and gents, welcome to the latest episode of Inspired to Inspire. Let's go ahead and scan in. There's like no doubt that you guys care. You know, like you talk to someone, they kind of have like half an opinion. They yeah. kind of like don't care. So, um, other than the fact that you are a person of color, Black. yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Why do you like? Why do you, in your own words, like why do you care about this topic of like race and diversity and stuff like that? <clears throat> I care about it because it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I care about it because it's biblical. Um, if you look in the Bible, it's not a one size fits all type of deal where you are dealing with one people group, um, addressing one culture and dealing with their one walk. Yes. No, the Israelites are the, the key people throughout most of it, but then you begin to access these other groups that they just call Gentiles. Uh, Gentiles isn't even really a word, but it was the best way for them to, to say, uh, the nations, 
you know, um, all nations, nations that they probably hadn't even reached yet, people that they didn't even know. And so you have to take into account the fact that uh, God sought to use Jesus and various other disciples and apostles to reach all people. Remember, the Great Commission is uh, make disciples of all nations. And all nations means all. So uh, when there are folks who look to suppress, there are folks who look to marginalize, there are folks who, who look to absolutely either dismiss or eradicate um, other people groups that do not look like them because of color or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, I got a problem with that because it goes against what the Bible says. Right. So that's my main reason. Okay, good. All right, so one, if we, mm, sorry, thinking about race and diversity is just like a huge topic, but I know racism still exists in many like aspects of the world today, mm -hmm. um, but in the book, it talks about systematic racism, which means how racism is much more and still deeply enriched in culture and institutions mm -hmm. than previously acknowledged. And so one of the things that um, I want to ask you is like, like how, like how do you, like where do you see racism um, play a part when it comes to institutions like applying for jobs, getting jobs, colleges even, like how people decide who to um, accept, who mm -hmm. to hire. Yeah. Yeah, not nah, there's um there are a lot of different cultural rubrics uh that people either directly or indirectly uh place upon their understanding of what they're doing, how they're choosing. Okay. Uh and to be honest with you, it's it's a tale as old as time. Um what is it? Oh god. Matthew chapter eighteen? Matthew can't remember. Doesn't matter. It's there. Uh, parable of Jesus um, talking about the Good Samaritan and the whole breakdown we can just bypass the understanding of what it means for the priest, bypass what the understanding of what it means for the Levite uh, but then the Samaritan comes and he does all this great stuff um, and at the very end of that parable Jesus asks the person who is challenging him one question, he's like so who would be considered uh, the neighbor uh, in this instance and the the pretty much I guess like a Pharisee person expert of the law is who it was uh, they answer you know the one who took care of the the person who was beat up in it and people don't pay attention to the fact that if you're deconstructing that narrative um, it is almost no it's not almost it is 100% racist the reply that he gives because he can't even say what the man is. He could have just said, you know, the Samaritan. He didn't have to say the good Samaritan. He could have said the Samaritan. And instead, he just says the one. He can't even say what he is because he detests, he despises that person that much. So this is legitimately a tale as old as time. Um, and unfortunately, because of that, just getting back to the nature of the question you ask, the application, um, it, it blends and it bleeds into just about any environmental understanding. Um, and it's not even that it's direct in some cases or it was direct and now it just becomes commonplace uh, where people will not accept certain students on the basis of, of their race, which is actually funny because technically now that's illegal, but it doesn't stop it from happening. Um, and you know what? Let's just go there. Even in the church, uh, mm -hmm. that also is an issue. Um, I've listened to a lot of really awesome preachers and speakers uh, who now more than ever are advocating for the understanding of diversity in the church and not just that diversity in leadership in the church. Uh, Cause you can have a very diverse church. And according to Derwin Gray, 
Um, you can have a very diverse church, but if all you're seeing is for the sake of the conversation, a Caucasian individual in the pulpit, then what you have is a spiritual plantation. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who could be excellent leaders that are not of your skin color, that are Hispanic, that are African American, um, but all they're designed in the churches to do is sit and listen to your teaching. Yeah, you have a spiritual plantation. So, you know, now there is a, a cross-examination being had by a lot of different churches where they realize that somebody of another skin color, somebody of a different culture and perspective needs to have a seat at the table, quote-unquote, um, so that they can allow their insight, allow their input uh, to give a more three-dimensional vantage point of what the church should be, how it should reach out to certain people. Because I'm sorry, if you're not a part of a certain people group, you do not know how to reach those people the best way possible. It's not one size fits all. And it's not always the vision that God gave you. God also gives you the gift of people. Um, And those people can be your strengthener because you don't know it all, because you don't have it all as a Christian leader. And if you think you do, then that is the beginning of the end of your ministry, whether you like it or not. So... In a sense, that's, I think that partially answers your question, but it answers it in a way that I think I should frame it, um, because in today's culture, uh, you're, I mean, clearly you're going to see racism because it's a part of the chasm, it's a part of the divide <clears throat> that is presented uh, in, in most cases, in most scenarios, especially even politics. I mean, we don't need to get into that, um, but I think I'm going to let that rest right there because it's already a very long answer. <laughs> that's good. Um, so we'll get more into the church side in a minute. But um, going off of, like, racism business-wise and systemic racism, um, the thing that we've used to progress as, like, a nation is affirmative action, and we can call it just diversity now. Okay. Um, do you think that that is helping or not? Because the book that we're reading just talks about, like, the plus side of it and the other side of it. Because sometimes, for me personally, I think people just... They either accept different color of ethnicities and just to look good mm-hmm. and just to look good. But then, like you said, at the end of the day, like who's actually like working the business with right. you kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. I mean, you're right. To that extent, a, a lot of affirmative action is optics. Um, you want to be able to look good to certain people for the sake of the acknowledgement, for the sake of popularity, for the sake of votes, for the sake of whatever the case may be. Uh, And yeah, that is a problem because there's only quantitative um, uh, metric analysis in that. And we are not a numbers driven faith. I'm speaking again directly to the, not to the church, but just to the capital C church, to Christianity, to, to the belief in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and of course, that's going to be a problem. Now, to that extent, I will say uh, that I think that affirmative action, when executed correctly, um, is an excellent opportunity at, I won't say, for, for lack of a better word, leveling the playing field, you know, because everybody says that it's about equality. And to an extent, yes, it is. But it's not just about equality. It's also about equity. Um, if I were to uh, be a doctor at a hospital, and I had three individuals who came in. One of them came in with a broken arm. Uh, one of them came in with cancer. And one of them came in uh, with a punctured lung. Um, and I give all of them aspirin and send them on their merry way. Did I actually do what I needed to do to make sure that they were that they were healed or that they were taken care of? No. That's equality. 
um, equity is understanding that each individual needs something um, and it's not always the same thing. And I say that because specifically dealing with your answer, um, I think that affirmative action, like I said, when executed correctly, does do that. Uh, because sometimes some businesses, some schools, some churches, uh, they need to have that diversity. They don't realize exactly how much of a plus having positive diversity is in their culture where it's not just the person coming in for the sake of coming in, not just being a number um, because it makes your establishment, your your projections, your statistics and analysis look good. No, Um, it's because everyone has a purpose to serve Mm -hmm. and everyone has a difference to make. And when you allow them to make that difference, it strengthens your program, whatever your program is. And if it strengthens your program, then the qualitative impact of that program is going to benefit everybody when it's all said and done. It doesn't just benefit you because if it benefits you again, eventually it's it's going to be found out for what it is. And then it's probably not going to exist anymore. If it does, it's going to be in a very toxic state. Mm-hmm. And if you're a leader in any capacity, especially if you're a pastor, one day you're going to pay for that when you get to have a conversation with our Lord and Savior. And you're going to have to give an account for why you let that or you allowed that to function in whatever you're leading. So, yeah. Sometimes I feel like when thinking about, like, for example, like college, when colleges try to be or reach their, like, affirmative action quota type thing or, like, like if they are, like, doing it the way you that the way that's wrong, you know, it kind of makes me think, like, where does racism and, like, where does where do the effects of racism actually start? Because to even apply to college or think about going to college requires money and money requires a job and then it kind of goes back to like almost i might be getting ahead of myself yeah let's talk about privilege okay (laughs) so privilege and um your thoughts on privilege and like where do you think racism really starts and like i feel like for me personally if you want to play off my opinion i think it starts with privilege because those families who are not getting jobs and not um, getting the benefits that they can because of other people having more privilege than them mm-hmm. affects, I feel like, generations of people, which also affects their kids and whether the kids want to go to college or not. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things play into whether kids want to go to college or not nowadays. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't want to be the conspiracy theorist, but chances are that's coming. Uh, so whatever. Um yeah, I think that there is uh, a genealogy to the understanding of the development of racism, and it's rooted in a lot of different things. It's rooted in fear, it's rooted in misunderstanding, but it is also rooted in the byproduct of what those things have produced for for generations, uh, decades, centuries sometimes, um, because there has been a lot of undermining and underhanded oppression against people groups and not just African Americans, not just Hispanics. Sometimes it was whites on whites. Ironically enough, uh, some folks really weren't a fan of of of, uh, of the Irish folk way back in the day. You know, yeah. it's just like, uh, I mean, that's just a, a portion of it. But obviously, um, the introspective uh, and and the 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 easy um, analysis that can be given is is, is the four hundred years that we know of slavery. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then everything that happened after that. Uh, most people don't realize that. Uh, 
there was stuff that happened after the slaves were set free that pretty much kept them as slaves. Uh, we don't have too much time to get into all that. Uh, but since then, what has happened is they found other ways to manufacture keeping African-American people, and in some cases now even more, now more than before, uh, Hispanic folks in that same position. Um, and obviously a lot of that speaks to uh, the process that is um, the, the for-profit prisons um, and things of that nature. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I went all the way down the other end of the path, uh, but when it comes down to it, it still circles back uh, to this clear-cut understanding of, of what we have that's called white privilege um, because whether it's something that extreme, which I want people to hear, uh, or whether it's just the understanding of your skin uh, precedes you in, in, in a situation, um, there are a variety of things that are being done still to this day uh, to make sure that the advantage goes to uh, the Caucasian person. Um, and at least in our nation, you know, it's not the same. You know, if you study, you realize that uh, Caucasians are actually heavily disadvantaged in places like South Africa. Uh, it's almost like it's an absolute inversion of what's happening over here. Right. Nonetheless, though, it needs to be understood in American culture, in the United States of America today, uh, that two things are being happened or two things are happening currently. Number one, uh, they are continuing to create exclusive means to to keep um, brown or in this case, black folks disadvantaged. And I say that because it's not just the brown anymore, because now with the brown and that being Hispanic folks, uh, they're doing everything they can to ensure that those who are not here can't come here, um, even if they do try the process legally. And so, of course, now we're talking about immigration and, or the process of being able to migrate to the United States of America. And it is sad to see um, that a nation that was birthed off of pretty much all migration um, is now developing plans to prevent a lot of folks from being able to migrate in just because of the color of their skin. And the funny thing is it has more backlash than they would give her credit for because at this very moment, I know a friend of mine who is Caucasian from another, from another country uh, who's in here attempting to get his green card. And because of the process now, because of the interrogation, because of the investigation, um, he is not able to get it when I'm pretty sure he could have had it in about two seconds had the current political system, had the current uh, White House organization uh, not come into effect. So, yeah, it's 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 almost like friendly fire for, for those in that skin color. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of wild to think that, uh, um, that somebody is so well-bent on making sure that people who look like them can stay in what they would define as power just because they think that that's the way for them to not just survive, but to thrive. Um, and ultimately, they're going to realize, especially if they're a believer, and a lot of them are, um, that when they have a conversation with, with, with Jesus one day, they're, they're going to be sadly mistaken. Right. Yeah. I can never wrap my head around people who think like that. Okay. Because, I, like, people say, or like my teachers used to say, like, we have it good because we're in a very diverse area of America in Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. Specifically, like, just Virginia Beach. Yeah. Um, especially at Salem school I went to mm -hmm. and like they would say like you guys are like very lucky and I, sometimes I like feel like maybe I was blinded to like all types of like racism like that because now when like I talk about it read about it research it I'm like 
I just don't understand. Like, it's just a skin color to me. And, like, a different culture, obviously. Like, that's just a whole other story. But, like, yeah, it doesn't disqualify anyone or just make anyone lesser than. Like, I just... No, it legitimately <laughs> just makes you different. And different isn't bad. Exactly. But different appears bad because different is something that people don't understand. And what I've learned a very long time ago is that if something is different, then you, you seek to educate yourself on it. You know, because that education produces appreciation. Right. And I will say, you know, I have plenty of Caucasian friends. I got my homeboy who's on the podcast with me. Mm-hmm. And blah. I mean, he's ingratiated himself in so much of different cultures, not just not just African-American culture, but, I mean, even, you know, subcategorized, like, sneaker culture. You know, I mean, it's it's not a black person thing, but when it comes down to it, a vast majority of those who make those purchases are African-American, um, or just the understanding of what we will call liberation theology, which is that which seeks to set free or make free the oppressed and the marginalized. And that's not just African-Americans, but um, a lot of it birthed out of the understanding of what happened in the civil rights movement when Martin Luther King and, and a multitude of others were trying to make sure that people like me who have my my face, my skin, you know, saying my voice could could operate in this country without having to worry about the process of persecution that ultimately, I mean, I understand many Christians suffer around the world, but, you know, we're not a whole century removed from the understanding that my grandfather and a multitude of others that I've met and come across in this lifetime were beaten, were hosed, were, you know, subjected to so many atrocities. Uh, just because of their skin color and not because somebody sought to understand them. And it's, it's wild because I know I, when I talked to uh, Sid, we had part of this conversation as well, but I was trying to help him realize that it wasn't always about hate, which is weird to think about until you have to realize that, you know, business is business, which is wild to say it that way. But uh, America was not birthed out of hate. Um, America was birthed out of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about the the building of our great nation and one thing that we know is if you're trying to build something or you're trying to make it work you build it on cheap or free labor and they were trying to find cheaper free labor and guess where they found it africa just like a lot of different nations um and so you know if 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 we're looking at that and we're going across the spectrum to understand the process of race the inferiority or the superiority complexes that have been developed. And I do say that because unfortunately there is an inferiority complex as well. There are black people who really do wish that they were white because they know that if they were, they wouldn't be subjected to some of the stuff that our people go through. And that is sad. But, um, there, uh, with those two complexes in mind, the conversations that need to be had, I think are going to have to reach depths that can address literally um, issues that are skin deep Uh, because I think that that's when you are finally able to realize that a not only are we all the same when it comes down to it and we all have the same type of DNA everybody's blood runs red last time I checked my blood is not green your blood is not orange Um, but then also we can like I said we can begin the process of educating ourselves we can begin the process of realizing that there is, should be a celebration of culture. Right. But the thing about the celebration of culture is that we also have to address the history of culture and everybody's history. Every. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're whatever, um, has something in it that people 
aren't trying to really put on blast. You know, and we call that revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. You know, um, Malcolm Gladwell is excellent at that. If you ever get a chance to listen to his stuff, because he will legitimately break down stuff that people would never think was a part of the process of our nation. Yeah. I don't know. Again, long-winded answer, but I, I get I get really. Yeah, we're just having a discussion. I don't think I even asked a question. <laughs> I know, but still, it's just I don't know. I get I I get hot on topics like that because no, because I think good. so many people don't know. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people are are either ignorant to the truth or just don't want to hear it because it's too complicated mm-hmm. for them. Hundred percent. But um, just to finish off, going off of exactly what you said, how you said there, there's a, like you mentioned, learning about people's history, everybody's, not just one person. So going back to church, how do you think the church should be involved, and what are some practical ways? Should they address the issue inside of church? Oh, okay. So I'll both end up asking the same question there. That's <laughs> I mean, fine. That one's on the well, I mean, the so. an- I mean, yeah. The, the answer is simple though. It's it's really just to be the church. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're talking about with love thy neighbor, kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we love thy neighbor for sure, um, but also really more so from a biblical perspective. I think is is how I approach this um, with Sid. Here's here's my here's my final thought in understanding the process of the church and why we are doing a horrible job. And I mean, capital C church. I'm yeah. not pointing fingers at any specific church, capital C mm-hmm. praise the Lord. Um, no, when you look at the structure, the infrastructure of Paul's writings to all the churches that he wrote to, or John with the churches that he wrote to in Asia, and we can nail down these two in particular because it's like beating a dead horse, but they are the easiest ones to, to tackle. Uh, so Romans and First and Second Corinthians. So the church at Rome and the church in Corinth. You don't get out of the first chapter in Rome before Paul is talking about everything. And by everything, I mean everything. You name it, they doing it. Just all the pagan nastiness you can imagine. You know, same thing with first, like with the church, at least in First Corinthians, um, because what is it when I was teaching New Testament I was like there are two words that perfectly describe the culture of the church in Corinth prostitution flourished so what it tells you is people weren't quite <laughs> doing what they were supposed to do in the church we're not talking about non-believers we're talking about the church mm-hmm. the the brand new beginnings of the church as it began to spread and so that means that some things needed to be discussed and then put in check eventually and that's the whole thing all of this is a process of discussion and we can transcommute that in complete understanding to what happens in the church today. We don't discuss anything anymore is the problem. And the reason why we don't discuss it is because we either a are not trying to grant light to it because we're afraid of what it could do or B we're just so ignorant. We're not aware that it's out there anymore. And then the minute that we're exposed to it, we don't know how to handle it. And so race is no different. Um, because I mean, even in our church, we can have conversations and I'm pretty sure that there are plenty of people who, if I ever had conversations like the one I'm having with you now, like, I, I don't know what they, I don't know how they would respond. I don't know what they would do. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I'm okay with that because that's how I received my shock. You know what I'm saying? Um, it may, may not have been race specifically. Um, and, and thankfully I was able to take classes in, in my master's program where I got a lot of exposure to the real underlying issues involving race. I keep saying the word race, but it's not even about race, it's about ethnicity. There's only one race. That's been scientifically proven, and I can say that that's biblically backed. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, even that, or if we're going to have conversations about LGBTQIA, 
um, that becomes really awkward as well. Mm-hmm. And ultimately on two grounds. Number one, only God is judge. Right. So who are we to really, especially if somebody's not trying to be a leader in the church, which for the most part is, is what happens. When somebody wants to go into leadership, okay, maybe there's some nuances in that conversation. Right. But at the end of the day, sin is sin. I'm going to leave that right there. There's none different than the other except for denouncing your belief in Christ. Um, but yeah, and then also how it could be really weird, uh, number two, if we begin having the conversation about the IA. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody is pretty farewell understanding of the L, G, the G, the B, the, D, the T, the Q. Okay. Um, but I stands for intersex and A stands for asexual. What do you do? when you have to have a conversation with an individual who has both working parts and that's how God made them. Awkward. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people. You know, right. so that's what I'm saying. So when we can't talk about that in the church, we can't talk about a variety of things in the church, can't talk about sex in the church, or can't talk about race in the church, can't talk about violence in the church, can't talk about all of these things in the church and you wonder why people are leaving the church because mm-hmm. there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, you're getting a good word out of the Bible in some cases or some instances, but people are really living out these situations and they're really living out these, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, they're experiencing, they're existing in this and they're not getting a word as to how to address it or how to walk it out in their daily lives from the pastors in their pulpits. I wouldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? If, if I a, wasn't looking, to, if I if I was trying to understand something, I wasn't getting an answer as well, or if I didn't seek it out myself. And that's also a dangerous problem because then you're not an expert and you're out here trying to seek stuff that you don't really understand. You can get an article from here, an article from here, and they're going to say something that's going to rock your world because you're not going to know how to respond to it. And it could be wrong on top of that. You want to try and find the truth. And the truth should always be in the church. And if we're talking about race and the church, that you have to be able to be not comfortable enough. You got to be willing enough because you simply love and care about people to have those conversations about church and the lynching period. You have to be able to talk about church and slavery, the creation of the slave Bible. Uh, you have to talk about how there is still a hidden racism in today's church. Um, I've talked to uh, many professors and, and theologians that I know in my world and certain situations where we address why African-Americans aren't in leadership in diverse churches, they'll call ideological racism. And we really don't have time to break that down. Um, But ultimately, just understand that if a church is not willing to have a conversation about anything, and especially race, then a church cannot expect to make a difference in the world of those who are a different race than they. And yeah, I guess also just just in case, because somebody's probably thinking, oh my God, he's, he's talking about the white churches. No, black churches too. Black churches have white people in them just as well as somebody else. And if they're not paying that kind of attention, then guess what? They're going to have the same issues. And that ultimately is how churches end up remaining the most segregated hour in America on Sundays. And that is sad. So ultimately, that's, I mean, that's what I got. And that's really what I think about the entire process. I do pray that eventually... Um, there will be those who will not systematize this anymore and they will just be open to two things. Um, God, it's a broken record all over my life right now. Uh, truth, number one, because God is all about truth. It's supposed to be God, it's supposed to be love, it's supposed to be truth. But then also, let's have an anti-suppressant complex about ourselves where no matter what it is, you at least are open to talking about it because you realize exactly how important that it is as well. Yeah. You know, um, but until we can finally get to that point, 
Uh, and I pray, I pray we can get to that point. The church itself is just going to have a lot of issues. Point blank. Period. The end. <laughs> period. The end. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Of course. I think Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises, on Insta at Eye to Eye Podcast. That's the letter I underscore the number two underscore the letter I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I like the the nice white people with the good voices? No? Just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. Thank you again, guys. See you next week.